Luke chapter 12. The text from this morning is the verse 20. Luke 12 and verse 20. But God said unto him, Thy foe, this night thy soul shall be required of thee. Then who shall those things be which thou hast provided? During the Lord's public ministry of preaching and teaching, the Lord Jesus often said to those who had gathered around him, He often said, He that had ears to hear, let him hear. This was to call for the attention of those who had come to hear him. This was the call of the divine preacher to the people to give attention to what the Lord was about to say. Even though it was said of Christ, never man spake like this man. Yet there were always those in his congregations who were dull <coughs> of hearing and had their minds set, taken up with lesser things. A perfect example of this is before us in this 12th chapter of Luke's Gospel. Consider the weighty, the solemn manners which Christ was dealing with. Chapter 2, or verse 2, chapter 12. They were gathered together an innumerable multitude of people, insomuch that they trod one upon another. Such was the crowd and the multitude that gathered around Christ to hear him. And then you look through that <coughs> portion of scripture beginning at the chapter and you look at what the Lord was dealing with. It was no wonder he wanted them to give ear to what he had to say. For he dealt with solemn matters, solemn subjects. He warned against hypocrisy. He spoke about the day when the secrets of men will be revealed, verses 2 and 3. He spoke about persecution. He spoke about that those who love the Lord will be persecuted. He spoke about a subject that everyone in that great assembly ought to have given attention to for in verses 4 and 5 he spoke about hell. Hell 
he that has ears to hear, let him hear. He then spoke about his thoughts and how those thoughts are always towards his people, verses 6 and 7. He then went on to deal with the matter of professing his name before <coughs> them. Verses 8 and 9. And as if these matters were not weighty enough to cause everyone to listen and give attention to what the Lord was saying, he went on to speak he went on to speak about blasphemy. Yes, taking the Lord's name in vain. Don't we hear it all the time? But the Lord took this matter further. And there we read in verse 10. He dealt with the subject of blasphemy against the Holy Ghost. Blasphemy against the Holy Ghost, a sin which shall not be forgiven. Think of that. Blasphemy against the Holy Spirit is a sin, the Lord says, will not be forgiven. He was warning his hearers about the danger of committing such an offense and any subject surely should have seized the attention of every individual in that multitude it was surely this subject blasphemy against the Holy Ghost the one sin listen the one sin for which there is no forgiveness. The one sin for which the blood of Christ was never shed. Blasphemy against the Holy Ghost. The one sin where committed condemns the offender to utter darkness of hell forever when there is no salvation for him before he gets there blasphemy against the Holy Ghost shall not be forgiven not now not in this world or the world to come he's doomed before he dies that's what the Lord is teaching and who would not want to give attention to the Lord's preaching upon this particular subject lest they would be in danger of committing such a sin blasphemy against the Holy Ghost yet evidently there was at least one in that assembly he was not listening to what the Lord had to say about blasphemy 
against the Holy Ghost. The Lord has just spoken about such a sent verse 10 and whosoever shall speak a word against the son of man it shall be forgiven him but unto him that blasphemeth against the Holy Ghost it shall not be forgiven then look at verse 13 and one of the company said unto him master speak to my brother that he divide the inheritance with me as if he never heard a word the Lord said he had his mind on other things he had his mind and his heart set upon a part of his brother's inheritance no he wasn't thinking about eternity wasn't thinking about blaspheming against the Holy Ghost he had his mind on temporal material matters instead of the spiritual and eternal oh dear friend today here in this building and wherever others are listening and watching for the time for the duration of this meeting for the duration of this meeting I trust that everyone will give attention to what the Lord has to say <coughs> and what he said that day when he spoke to that great multitude of people set aside the temporal set aside the material and think about the eternal the eternal matters with which the Lord Jesus Christ dealt with here even in this parable <coughs> think of the real danger of committing the unpardonable sin think of the real danger of passing out into eternity without Christ without the Lord dying without Christ dread the thought and yet here the Lord tells a parable to illustrate that very thing tells the story about a rich man a rich man who wanted more riches he was a rich man and yet he wanted more and the Lord was dealing with those in that assembly who were like him and when they would come to die what would they do with their riches remember when I ministered in Northern Ireland he said this is a wee lady Mrs. McEwen you called her she was a dear soul and I think nearly every time I would go to her home and visit with her 
at some time of the conversation or the time I was there she would always say you know there's no pockets that are destroyed and what she was saying you can't bring your riches with you there are no pockets in a stride. And here the Lord, you could say, deals with that very subject of this rich man. You could say, the rich man, there are no pockets in your shrine, you know. I want to look at this rich man and to the summons that he received. One night, my subject is a summons edged in black. A summons edged in black. This night, thy soul shall be required of thee. That's what God said. This, thy fool, this night, thy soul shall be required of thee. So what can we learn from this rich man? When we look at the rich man and his dilemma. His dilemma. The rich man in the parable had prospered. The rich man asked the Lord to part to get part of his brother's inheritance and give it to him. It's hard to take in, isn't it? Christ dealing with the unpardonable sin and all this man could think about is a mother. And that's why the Lord told this parable about being covetous. The word covetous means the wish to have more. The wish to have more. This rich man was not content with what he had. He wished to have more. Look first of all at this particular man. When the Lord spoke about a certain rich man, it is almost as if the Lord was describing somebody that you and I know. Not right? <coughs> someone that you and I know. For perhaps you know someone whose whole life is taken up with silver and gold. His whole life is to become richer still. And riches become their God. That's their God. Not the Lord Jehovah. No. The dollar, the silver, and the gold. They're always incessantly planning and scheming of how to become richer still. Never thinking about eternity. No. Never thinking about maybe one day I'll have to go out and meet God and face Him. So their heart and mind is set 
getting more and more and more. Look at his actions, his behavior, his love for his possessions, his desire for more. Let us not. The Lord yes blesses us, grants to us our daily bread. He'll not allow any of his people to go wanting and begging bread, no. And so let us set our heart on eternal matters. And live for Christ. And those who know not the Savior. Turn your eyes away for a while from temporal things. Turn your eyes upon Jesus. Look full in his wonderful face. The things of earth will grow strangely dim in the light of his glory and his grace. Here we have a particular man. Here we have a prosperous man. A prosperous man. Notice before his cry brought forth he was already a rich man already but it wasn't his riches that made him a fool the Lord said thy fool no it wasn't his riches that made him a fool you know what Paul said to Timothy didn't Paul say the love of money is the root of all evil. How often are those words misquoted? How often have you heard someone say, money is the root of all evil? That's not what it says. No, it doesn't say that. It doesn't say money is the root of all evil, but it does say the love of it. The love of money is the root of all evil. Have you ever listened to the news broadcast? <coughs> you think of the evil that's in the world, maybe even locally, wherever you live. And things that are done and crimes that are committed. Why? It's for the love of money. Man will do anything for his love of money. <coughs> It's not the money or the riches that God con condemns. Because when you think of it, the Lord made Abraham a very rich man. Made Abraham a rich man. Prospered Solomon and David and Hezekiah. But the difference in the man and those whom God has prospered, the man here in the parable was not content with what he had. Not one of the reasons why we admire the Apostle Paul. The great Apostle Paul said, I have learned 
This is something you need to learn. I have learned in whatsoever state I am therewith to be content. Paul had learned contentment. Whatsoever state I am in, therewith to be content. Philippians 4 and 11. His riches, his prosperity, may have brought him, may have brought him many things, but didn't bring him contentment. No, sir. He was not content. There was still something missing in his life. And he thought that we had more than a more riches. That would solve his problem. But what did God say? God says thy food. That's what God said about him. God said thy food. Not content. Something missing in his life. And he was looking for something to fill the void. And he thought possession could do that. But it doesn't. No possessions do not fill the void in anyone's life. What does a man need? What does a woman need? To fill the void in their heart and in their life. Need salvation. The salvation of their soul. Knowledge of sins forgiven. Peace of mind. Settled and calm conscience. No fear of death. A home in heaven. That will fill the void in anyone's life. Possessing these things, that person is rich indeed. And you know, we may not possess much of this world goods, but when we have Christ and we have his salvation, I'll tell you something, we're richer than millionaires. Praise the Lord. We're richer than millionaires. Because all the gold of wolf fire could not purchase those things that the blood of Christ purchased for us. The precious, precious blood of Christ. And the Lord Jesus has made us richer than millionaires. Sure, we're the sons of the king. We're members of the royal family. That's right. We're members of the royal family. Christ is our saviour. He's our king. He's our king. I told the story before about C.S. Spurgeon walking down the street with a friend one day. Spurgeon said, you know, if people knew who we were, they would salute us. The friend said, what do you mean? They said, sure, we're the children of the king. And because we're the children of the king, 
they will be saluting us members of the royal family well they can't buy that as well as being a particular man and a prosperous man he was a perturbed man he will greatly trouble the rich man was greatly perturbed he was greatly troubled verse 17 and he thought within himself say what shall I do because I have no room where to bestow my fruits <coughs> you'll notice something look at verse 17 again and he thought within himself say what shall I do he thought he had troubled thoughts he thought within himself what shall I do his thoughts troubled him what shall I do no doubt he wrestled with this problem for some time turning it over and over in his mind saying what shall I do <coughs> I find him greatly troubled yes about material things but not troubled at all but spiritual things remember the Lord is telling this parable in light of the, of the man and that multitude who wanted the Lord to see his brother and divide his inheritance with him the Lord had been dealing with the unpardonable sin and all this man could think about was getting part of his brother's inheritance. And the Lord tells the parable and the rich man in the parable is the man who wanted part of his brother's inheritance. In spite of all that the Lord had been dealing with and the spiritual matters he'd been handling. What shall I do? What shall I do? No. No, I wasn't troubled about his soul. I wasn't perturbed about where he'd be in eternity. He wasn't troubled about not being ready to die. I didn't bother him. He would be like Abner. Remember what it said about Abner? Died Abner as a fool died. That's how this rich man died. Because the Lord said, Thy food, this night thy soul shall be required of you. He died as Abner died. As well as this rich man and his dilemma, we see the rich man and his decision. <coughs> his decision, 18 and 19. And he said, This will I do. I will pull down my barns and build greater. And there will I bestow all my fruits and my goods. And I will say to my soul, Soul, 
not as much good laid up for many years. Take thy knees, eat, drink, and be merry. That was his decision. Here we see, first of all, his resolve. He resolved that this was what he was going to do now. He resolved that he would pull down those bars and he'd build bigger bars that would hold all the crops that his fields had yielded at that time. This is what I'll do. I'll pull down my bars, I'll build greater, and then what will I do? I'll take my ease. I'll put my feet up. I'll eat. I'll drink. And I'll be merry. That's what he resolved. But in reading those verses, did you notice something? Did you notice how self-centered he was? Do you notice in those two verses first of all you have the I will four times you have the my five times and then I six times and you look at those two verses you don't see anybody else there there's nobody else there there's nobody else mentioned there no it's all I will my and I how self-centered was this poor soul you know the spirit of the rich man lived on today is not how it is in the world. Oh, if I could win the lottery, if I could win a few million, I could eat, drink, and be merry and have a wonderful time. <coughs> I did not cover that at all. All we need is to have the Lord His promise to supply our daily bread. All you need. But the world today is I and my and I will. <coughs> and then he placed such confidence in self that they believe they can cope with any situation they believe they don't need God that's right don't need God yet the Lord himself tells us that anyone who believes that and anyone who lives that way you know what God says God says he's a fool that's what you have here Thy fool. The man's a fool. 
who believes there's no God, there's no one to answer to, he's a fool. The Bible tells us that. The Lord has told us that. The fool has said in his heart, there is no God. The fool. Not an educated person. He's a fool. Psalm 14, verse 1. And when men leave God out of their lives and live as if there is no God, God calls them a fool. That's right. <coughs> and this man resolved, this is what I will do. I will do. I will take care of myself. And God said, you're a fool. well as his resolve you have his recognition it's something in a way is quite remarkable verse 19 and I will say to my soul soul thou has much good led up for many years Take thine easy drink of thee ever. What's remarkable about that? For me, the remarkable thing is this rich man knew he had a soul. I will say to my soul, Soul. Thou hast much goods laid up for many years he drank in the mirror. Can you imagine? The man knew he had a soul. Every one of us has a soul. There's the body and there is the soul. The body dies. Laid in the grave. But the soul doesn't die. And the soul is not in the grave. Job, Job tells us that. Job said, But man dieth, and wasteth away. Yea, man giveth up the ghost, and where is he? Well, you could say his body's there in the grave. And I wasted away, you give us nothing to go, and where is it? If a man didn't have a soul, there would be no need for Job to ask that question. You could say his soul is lying there in the grave with his body. But no. Man dieth. Man wastes away. Man giveth up the ghost. Where is it? Where is it? question relates to a man's soul. The rich man in the parable recognized that he had a soul. And he did not make any preparation to have that soul made right before God. You know you have a soul. 
The point of death, the soul leaves the body. And where is he? It was all his recognition, his reasoning, his reasoning. The rich man reasoned as most really do today in that verse 19. You only live for time, not right? This will I do. I will have a good time. Eat, drink, and be merry. Not how most people look upon life. God said, After He says, I'll eat as many goods laid up for many years. God said, You're food. And he went on to say, This night, he talked about many years, you rich man. He talked about many years. But I'll say, This night. He's not even seen tomorrow. Not even seen the sunrise of another day. Thy food. And he thought he thought that all the needs of the soul could be met by what he possessed by his riches he thought that his death his destiny even his death all these things were all in his hands. But it was a fool. That's what God said. Man and his dilemma. The man and his decision. Finally you have the man and his departure his departure. The rich man spoke about having many years before him. Yet, the words were barely out of his mouth. And God said, I fool this night. No, not tomorrow, not next week. This night. No, you don't have many years. Your your years are years are already spent and gone. You don't even have one day. This night, a soul shall be required of thee. There you have the summons. Here is the one call from God. Which every one of us must answer. One day. God will call. <coughs> this night. This afternoon. This day. Thy soul shall be required of thee. And when the summons comes. 
med ansvar. Och när vi börjar föra av God speaks to a soul about salvation speaks to them through the word what does many people say well I'll wait till tomorrow well I'll wait another while but when this call comes there's no waiting this night my soul shall be required of me and when God calls you're not able to say nay when the death angel speaks you'll answer when the death angel knocks at your door there's no lock that the world will keep about Ready? You ready for that now? You ready for that call? This night, my soul shall be required of me. And these are the words of Christ. Not something made up by man. The Lord Jesus spoke these words. And not be able to stay the hand of the death angel. This night, thy soul shall be required of you. In the summons, you have the suddenness. That very night the rich man would be ushered into eternity. And what happened to him? Was it a heart attack? What was it? Was it a stroke? Was it an accident? On the farm? We're not told. Didn't matter. The Lord called him and called him out into eternity. This night thy soul shall be required of thee. That was some word for that individual, wasn't it? He wanted the Lord to see his brother and get the inheritance divided. With some word when the Lord told this parable about the man who had no time for God that was some word when the Lord said thou fool this night thy soul shall be acquired of thee the suddenness the summons separation that night the rich man was called away from his riches in barns 
his possessions, his goods, his fruits. And we're reading Dr. DeWitt Talmadge. On this particular parable. And DeWitt Talmadge said, you know, the day of this rich man's funeral, said he would, his remains would have been taken down the main street. Neighbors would have been outstanding along the roadway. Watching his remains been taken to his burial place. Talmud said, you know the people in that town would have been said, there go the remains of a successful man. There go the remains of a rich man. Talmud says, God said, there go the remains of a fool. A fool. But he left God out of his life. Time for the Lord. Oh, poor soul. <coughs> has no time for God. Terrible. Terrible to be in such a state of mind. No time for God. No time for the Lord. What shall the prophet of God? Begin the whole world and lose his soul. And what shall a man give in exchange for his soul? God said unto him, This night thy soul shall be required of thee. Then who shall those things be? It's thy hast for thy. They give them to somebody else. I trust that all that are within the hearing of God's word today will consider their latter end make sure right with God before God says this night the souls of Peter Pilate the Lord bless his word let's follow in prayer the dear Lord the loving God Gracious Father, we know eternal matters, <coughs> solemn matters. Salvation of a soul, the loss of a man's soul, are indeed solemn matters to consider. Lord, I pray 
I will use thy word today to speak to someone somewhere. Lord, may they make sure they're right with God and ready for that call and come from God Himself. Write Thy word, dear Lord, upon our hearts. Lord, bless us as we meet around Thy table. For any Lord who is not able to stay, and the blessing of the triune God go with them. Bless all of our visitors. We thank thee, Lord, for each one. Be with us throughout this day and be pleased to return it, Lord, to my house this evening. In dear Saviour's name, we ask all these things. Amen.